Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? Awesome, awesome. I'm so glad you guys are here in church. And if you are joining us online uh, or you're in our video venue, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Can we give it up for those of us uh, who are watching us via technology? Awesome, awesome. Real quick before we get started, I wanted to uh, share something that was um, on the heart of our pastor, Pastor Marty. Um, you know, from the beginning of our church, we have always been about reaching people for God and helping people take their next step towards God. And as he was thinking and trying to see how can we reach more people in this community, the idea uh, came to him that uh, Sunday on Monday, uh, because the reality is there are hundreds of people who are right now, as you are about to hear a message and you have enjoyed participating in worship, who just can't do that right now. They are working in the hospitals. They are working in the medical field. They are working in retail. They are working in the restaurant business and uh, their children are traveling for sports teams and your grandparents going to see uh, grandchildren. There's just so much happening on Sundays. And we saw an opportunity to uh, allow people to experience God, to make it impossible for people who live in Augusta not to experience a church, not to experience the message of Jesus. So uh, coming up in our spring schedule, um, starting in January, January 27th, we will be launching a Monday service identical to our Sunday experience. And it's an opportunity for you to invite those who cannot make it on Sunday. And it's an opportunity for us to reach more people in the this community. Exciting times, right? Yeah, that's something to be uh, proud about or celebrating. Here's the ask here. Um, if you feel like, um, and this is a church that's always about helping us do greater and bigger things. If you feel like, hey, I want to be a part of helping making that a reality. I have a family member who's a nurse or a doctor. I have people in my neighborhood where Sunday is just not the day that they would come. And you want to help make this a reality. I want to um, encourage you to meet with uh, some of our team in the conference room immediately after this service. So we can just talk to you about that. It'll be five minutes where we can just share a little bit of vision and help you see what's coming. Next. So if that's you, please meet us in the conference room. It's right outside the doors. Take a left and keep going until you can't go no more. All right. Okay, great. So let's get started today. Um, Luke chapter 17, y'all. Luke chapter 17, starting at the 11th verse. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about the attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. So Luke chapter 17, verse 11. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem... He reached a border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Another version said they were healed. Um, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. 
This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there was a professor who had this really ungrateful student. Uh, He had a student that just was uh, a bitter and ungrateful um, heart. And he said, how can I teach him uh, that this is not the right way? How can I show him that he needs to change his perspective on this? And so he decided to tell this student a story. And he said, uh, one day there was uh, a man who traveled uh, for missions in a foreign country. And he went to this foreign country and this country was very poor. They didn't have much. They couldn't afford uh, a laundry or uh, rather not laundry, but washing machines and things like that. But in their city, on the outskirts of their city, there was a hot spring and a cold spring. And so what the people were able to do is bring their laundry to those two springs and they would boil and uh, clean their um, laundry in the hot springs and then wash it off in the cold springs. And the young man who heard the professor's story, he said, wow, these people must be really grateful that nature has provided them with this resource that even though they don't have much, that they have this resource. And the professor said, well, actually these people were grumbling a lot because they were frustrated that nature had not provided them with soap. And so uh, in that story, what this man was trying to teach him is that your perspective on things really determines how you receive or look at things. See, uh, they were so caught up with the fact that they didn't have soap, they missed the blessing of the two springs. And Jesus in this text was using uh, parables to teach the disciples how to look differently on the things they experience in life. And the whole of chapter 17 is really him explaining how to look differently on things that you experience in life. See, in the beginning in verses two, three, and four, he explains to them, we need to live differently. I want you to forgive people, even when they make you mad, even when they frustrate you, even when they've done you wrong. If they apologize, even if they do it 70 times seven, I want you to forgive them. And that's something that will please God. The disciples heard what Jesus said and said, oh no, Lord, you're going to have to increase our faith. We don't know how to do that. I can't do that in the power that I have right now. You've got to give me more ability. You have to give me greater um, ability. And Jesus tells a parable to really flip the switch on this. He's saying, you guys don't need more faith. You just need faith in the right source. And the reality is you don't need a great faith. You just need faith in our great God. That's the truth. You don't need more faith because it puts the onus on you to do more. But the reality is you don't need to do more. God has already done more than enough. And if we can trust him, he will make a way. He will provide. He will do exactly what needs to be done. And if we put our faith in the right source, we will see God do amazing things. This is what he's teaching them. That y'all don't get it messed up. You got to realize that your faith has to be in God. You don't need more of it because it's not on you to do that. And immediately after telling them to have faith in the right source and uh, faith in our great God, he reminds them, 
that as this is happening, God is going to do some amazing things in your world. You're going to see him do wonderful things. But as he is doing these wonderful things, please don't mistake the order of things. Please don't forget that he is Lord and we are his servants. Do not become entitled. He, he was encouraging them, please be grateful. Don't become indifferent, apathetic, or entitled to what God is doing and working in your life. Don't miss the fact that he has called us to have an attitude of gratitude for what he has done and the move of God in our world. And after he talks about these theoretical things, he then gives them a practical example. And this is where we jump in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. He tells them a story of 10 lepers. And to summarize it real quick, there were 10 guys who were sick. Jesus shows up. These 10 guys get instructions. They walk. They get healed. Nine of them do one thing. One of them comes back to Jesus. And Jesus um, celebrates that. And that's the story. But in this 11 through 19 verse, uh, verses 11 through 19, there are four things that I think will help shape our perspective of gratitude, help move us to a place that God wants us to be in terms of gratitude. Here's, here's the first thing is that real gratitude is born from a position of great need. That real gratitude is born from a place where you really have great need. Think about the times that you've really been grateful and thankful. It was not because uh, somebody did something that you could do. Uh, it was a time where you really need somebody to help you out. You needed somebody to work something out for you. You needed something to, to happen in your world. Sometimes your real gratitude happened when somebody met a need you didn't even know you had. And other times they met a need that you were desperate to to be met regardless real gratitude is born out of a place of real need and this is where we find these individuals these 10 leopards they were in a place of great need you see leprosy was a death sentence in that day you if you uh, got leprosy you were excluded from the community you were isolated from family and friends you could not be around people so you're separated from community and then you are basically on the outside looking in you couldn't have no Thanksgiving dinner you are far away from everybody and they were in need of somebody to rescue them somebody to help them and in the middle of their need look who shows up Jesus is there right at the place of their need right in the moment and can I tell you wherever you find yourself today if you find yourself in a place of need that Jesus is right there here's the truth that Jesus is present when we call he's present he is there and available. I, I love the fact that it, it's not an accident that he shows up in the midst of their dilemma, in the midst of their adversity, in the midst of their problem. He shows up and they begin to call on him and he is present there. Romans, uh, in Romans it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in Psalms 46 and 1, he says it like this, that he is our refuge and strength. He is a present help or he's always available in times of need, ready to help in times of trouble. And so this verse became absolutely real to me recently. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went to Brazil and um, we were on a mission trip there and I was speaking the Sunday night at the service, y'all. And um, listen, I've, I know the scripture, you know, the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. Um, but 
in this moment, I got really, really scared. So uh, I was supposed to speak the Sunday night, but I had to meet with the interpreter and the interpreter uh, sent me his address and said, just take an Uber to my house. First mistake. Don't take an Uber by yourself in foreign countries. Yes. Okay. But so I get in the Uber and we drive and the Uber driver, I got my GPS going at the same time as the Uber driver going just in case he's trying to take left or right in different ways. I don't know. And so we get there and the man, his name is Jerson, he, um, he texts me and says, hey, I'm outside, just come in. And um, I'm looking and I said, I don't see you. He said, just come on, I'm outside. So I make a foolish mistake. I get out of the Uber car and I'm standing and y'all, I am, I stick out like an American. I got this book bag. I'm dressed different than everybody else in the area and I'm on the side of the street and it looks dangerous and remind, uh, let me back up a little bit. They had just told us the day before, hey, don't walk by yourself on the streets. Be careful. And it's, if you see the guys on the bikes with the helmets, they rob people. So just really be careful. So I, I'm looking for 30. I can't see it. I see two ladies over on the side. I go over to them using my translator app. This is all happening in real time. I said, uh, do you know Gerson? And he said he lives at 30. She looks at me, turns her face, and she says in Portuguese, but Google tells me that she said, uh, Gerson don't live here, and I live at 30. What do you want with my house? And while she's saying that, there's two guys on the bike start driving down the street and I'm starting to panic. I know the Lord told me not to be fearful, but Lord, do you see the guys? They could have been good, wholesome people, y'all. I don't know. God bless them wherever they are in Guyana, Brazil. But in that moment, they were dangerous individuals and I'm panicking. I'm getting nervous. And in the midst of that, there's this car that creeps real slow by me and he drives down stops and begins to back up and I'm like oh my lord I'm about to lose my life I'm gonna be on the news in Brazil and my wife don't speak Portuguese so she ain't even understand what they saying about me it's going down and then the guy winds down his window and it happens to be one of the pastors from the church driving down this random street. And he says, Pastor Maurice, and y'all, Usain Bolt wasn't faster than me. I jetted to the car. I jumped in and I say, yes, it's me. Please, I'm lost. I'm in the wrong area. And he looks at the address and tells me I'm 10 minutes away from where I'm really supposed to be. And in that moment, I realized that even in another country where I didn't understand the language that my God was present and working for me, that while I thought I was lost, he had already provided the way. And can I tell you, in your situations, God is a present help in the time of trouble. And what you're trying to figure out, he is already working out. And he is sending the right person in the right place to help you out. He's there. He's present. Now, the only really disappointing thing about this story is that when he backed up, he, he was looking at me in amazement because he said, wow, Pastor Maurice on his off time is out here witnessing to the people in Brazil. <laughs> I said, sorry, Pastor Paul, I wasn't witnessing. I was panicking. <laughs> Here's what Psalms 34 and 17 says. He says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. It's the promise of God is that he is going to rescue us. He is going to be there in the times of need for us. And, and, and this is what Jesus does. He has showed up. He is present. But the thing about 
God's rescue sometimes is it don't always look like he's rescuing you. Notice what it says in the text is that Jesus looks at them and then says, go show yourself to the priests. A little context for this scripture is that if they were going to show themselves to the priests, the only way that they could go and be safe is that if they were already healed. If they go and try to show themselves to the priests and they were not healed, they were risk of being stoned and they were risk of being isolated even further and even worse. And so Jesus tells them to go and show yourself to the priests. You see, God's rescue sometimes comes in the place of instructions, and many times those instructions don't make rational sense. God, how am I going to go here? That doesn't make any sense. Why am I going to make this move now? That doesn't make any sense. And here they are. They are challenged because God is really trying to challenge their faith. He's saying... Go and show yourself to the priests. My question is, where is God prompting you to do something new? You're wrestling with problems and issues and storms. And where is God prompting you to take a different angle on it, take a different approach? Where is God prompting you to do something new? You see, the reality is, if we're going to see God move in our lives... We've got to respond to his promptings and put our faith in action. If we want to see, in order to see God move, we must respond to God's prompts by putting our faith in action. Y'all, faith is an action word. It is a verb, y'all. Let's go to English class real quick. A verb means there must be some activity attached to what is being done. Faith is not a noun, it is a verb. And this is what Jesus says to them in Mark. See, Peter did not believe what Jesus had said right before this verse. Jesus had cursed the fig tree because it wasn't bringing forth any fruit. And then when Peter comes back, he shows the fact that he didn't believe that what Jesus said was going to happen. He says, scripture says, and Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree that you curse has withered. And Jesus answered them saying, have faith in God. You got to have faith. But here's what faith is. He says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, action, say something, verb, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And so we get an opportunity to participate. See, uh, Hebrews tell us without faith, it's impossible to please God. But what God does with faith opportunities is he, it's a chance for him to develop us. It's a chance for him to take us from where we are and take a step towards where he's trying to take us. And a lot of times we get caught up in the moments of, Lord, heal me, Lord, save me. And what God is really concerned with is with the process that helps you take one step in front of the other, that helps you take your next step, that helps you move forward. And here's the truth, that God values the overall process more than individual moments. 
That God is more concerned with you making consistent progress than you having great individual moments, but then going back to doing something that's less than what he's called you to. And so when you find yourself with faith opportunities, what God is asking you to do is take a step forward. And this is what these individuals are challenged to do. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And they could have said, well, I'm already in a bad place. Why would I go there and risk myself getting stoned? But in this faith opportunity, they decide to take steps forward and they start to make steps towards where God is trying to take them. They are being processed by God and many of us are being processed by God. But here's the truth that um, Philippians 1 and 6 tells us. He says that, and I am certain that God who begins the good work within you will continue his work, will continue his process until it is finally finished finished on the day when Jesus Christ returned. God is processing you. And the reality is he's trying to develop you to be able to handle where he's trying to take you. This is what he says to Moses who Moses is like, all right, God, we've been suffering for so long. We're just ready to take it all. This is what God says to him in uh, Exodus chapter 23. He says, little by little, I will drive them out from before you. Until you have increased and possessed the land. He's saying, I'm going to allow you to take the steps in order for you to develop your faith, to develop your spiritual muscles, to be ready to handle what I'm trying to release into your life. To be able to maintain and withstand the weight of what I'm trying to release in your life. And so that's, that's the challenge of these men. And that's the challenge that we are faced with, that God is always trying to process us. And I don't know where you are in your walk or where you are, but he is trying to process you, always changing our perspective to see things the way he sees it. And it's developing in us a heart of gratitude. Or that is God's intention. But in the midst of this, these men are going... And while they are walking, they're healed. While they are in process, God's healing power is revealed and it, 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 it happens that they're all healed. And this is a wonderful moment. But something interesting happens. Nine of them respond one way. And one individual responds another way. And here's the truth. How we respond to God's work in our life reveals the condition of our heart. How we respond to God's work in our life, his miracles, his power, the way he makes a way in our lives, how we respond to that reveals the condition of our heart. Nine of them continue as they were and one of them returns. See, nine of them take for granted what God has done in their life. And one of them has an attitude of gratitude. Here's the truth. We stop being grateful the moment we become entitled. The moment when we say, I deserve this, when we become entitled to this, that's the moment we stop being grateful. The moment we miss what God is trying to do in creating an attitude of gratitude in our heart. 
And this is what an entitled attitude says. An entitled attitude really becomes cold to God's plan in our life for our own desires. An entitled attitude will cause us to become cold to God's plan in order to feed our own desires. You see, these individuals, these men, desire to be back in community. They desire to be back where, uh, where they were, and they were pursuing that because the priests were able to give them access. And here's the problem. They became entitled, and they saw Jesus as a means to an end and not the source of their healing. And we got to be careful that God's work in our life does not come, become so common that we are ungrateful or that we dismiss his work in our lives. You know, we got to be careful that the Kanye's, I mean, the Samaritans don't have a greater appreciation for what God is doing than we do. You see, the nine were Jewish. They were around God. They had seen God work. They had enough faith to believe he would work. But their heart was so cold that they didn't want to seek his heart. And many times we are so comfortable receiving from the hand of God, but we are complacent enough to never search out his heart. See, the truth is, their healing was to help them take a step towards where God was trying to bring them. Scripture says it's the kindness of God that compels men to repentance, that it compels men to be changed and transformed by God. But they just saw it as an opportunity to do what they desired next. So instead of seeking God's kingdom, they sought their own kingdom. They sought, how can this benefit what I'm trying to do next instead of what God is trying to do next? And here's the truth. Culture teaches us to think what's next. What Christ calls us to pause and reflect. You see, when we stop for a moment and really think about it, we are able to develop an attitude of gratitude. It will well up or uh, spring from our hearts, this attitude of gratitude, when we pause and reflect. But when we get so consumed with what, how this is going to benefit me and how I'm going to move forward and how this is going to help me, nine of them were so consumed with it that they missed what God was really trying to do in their lives. He wanted to bring them back to him he wanted them to pause and reflect and this is what Philippians 4 says it says and now dear brothers and sisters one final thing fix your thoughts in other words reflect on meditate think about what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and the only one that I could think of who is excellent and worthy of praise is the king of kings and the lord of lords the only one who I can think of who is worthy of praise is the Jesus who bled and died for us and because of him we have life and liberty he's saying think about these things Reflect on it because it will cause you to become grateful in your life. 
And only one of them respond to this. And here's the fourth and final thing that I want to show you is that an attitude of gratitude will change your life. This Samaritan, his life is changed because an attitude of gratitude is developed in his life. Here's what an attitude of gratitude will do for you. It will help you recognize your need for God. It will help you recognize that I need God. It's not the other way around. I, I, I'm not in a position where God needs me, but I need God. This is what the Samaritan does. He realizes he's healed and he understands, yeah, I got to go show myself to the priest to be declared clean. But I am so grateful for what he has done. I recognize that it would not have happened unless Jesus had done it. And he turns back to see Jesus. He recognized his need for God. When's the last time you've slowed down to reflect and remember God instead of just pushing forward after he has made a way for you? It helps us recognize our need for God, but not only that, it helps you or it prompts you to worship God. Notice that after he recognizes his need for God and he begins to move back, he comes back with a shout and a praise. He says, praise God. He falls on his feet and he worships. My grandmother used to say it like this. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Every now and then, when you just reflect on what God has done, it should cause you to celebrate and worship him. That when we come here on Sundays, that's one of the reasons why we sing songs, we clap our hands, we lift our hands it's because we remember what he has done and we celebrate and we worship him for that this Samaritan he recognizes his need for God he is prompted to worship but here's the third thing is that when we have an attitude of gratitude it gives God access to transform our hearts it gives God access to transform our hearts when Jesus said stand up your faith has healed you. The truth is he was not talking about his leprosy. His leprosy was already cured. Jesus was talking about something on the inside of him. The aching of his heart to be reconnected with his creator. The aching of his soul to be transformed into the image of Christ. To have an encounter with God. His heart posture, his attitude of gratitude had allowed him to be in position to receive what God really wanted to do. And that was to save his soul. To help make him into the person that God always intended for him to be. This is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to have an attitude of gratitude because it gives him access to creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us. It gives him access to change our perspective on things. God wants us to always be grateful. Here's what uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. But here's 
here it is, be thankful in all circumstances, in the good, in the bad, in, in, in the high times, in the low times, wherever you find yourself, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He wants you to see things through his perspective, that there is always something that I can be thankful for. There is always something that I can give him praise for. And here's the bottom line. An attitude of gratitude allows you to appreciate what has been done and have a God-influenced perspective on what's to come. To appreciate what has happened, but to be able to celebrate and be ready to have an attitude of gratitude on what is to come. And I'm not saying this perspective is easy. This is something we navigate, we wrestle through. And this is something that I've been wrestling through in my own personal life. Uh, yesterday, November 23rd, made eight years since my father has passed. It was the day before Thanksgiving. I had the last conversation with him. And he died a few hours after we talked. And for about five or six years, I could not celebrate Thanksgiving. I was consumed by what I had lost. It caused a blockage in me to have an attitude of gratitude. I could not be thankful because I was consumed with what I felt like I was missing. But as God began to do a work in my heart, he began to change the lens of my perspective. And I was able to see that instead of being sorrowful of what I've lost, I can celebrate what I had. I can be grateful for what he had allowed to come into my life. And not only that, an attitude of gratitude would allow you to be grateful for what was, to celebrate what is, and to be excited about what is to come. And so yesterday, on a day that I would normally be melancholy and normally be in my room and by myself, I, we had uh, family friends who were over for lunch and then we had new friends who were over for dinner and I was able to celebrate that God, you gave me my father and he was great and you are sending more people into our lives and you've given me a family, a wife and a son. You are good, God. No matter what happens, you are good. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of of the Lord I can always have an attitude of gratitude and we always have something we can be thankful for there is something we can always say thank you to God for and in this season I want to challenge you you may be faced with problems you've never faced before you may have some family situations that are difficult work situations that are challenging but I want you to find something to be grateful for. To find something to say, thank you, Lord, for this. And watch it help you to be joyful. Watch it help you to continue to celebrate and always be open to what God is trying to do in your world. Maybe today, the next step that you really need to take it's to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe today you just need to say yes to him. 
Maybe there's some things in your heart that you need to let go and give space for God to allow an attitude of gratitude to enter in. I want to pray with you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word that has been declared and shared. Thank you for challenging us, God, to really see things through your perspective. Help us, God, to not have faith in ourselves, but really to focus our faith on you. To trust you, to step out. God, help us to see where you are working in our lives. Help us to recognize our need for you to always be in a place of worship towards you. But ultimately, God, allow us to give you access to transform our lives, to transform our hearts. And God, for the person who has not said yes to you today, I pray today is that day. That they would say this simple prayer, Lord Jesus, save me, change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. And God, for every person under the sound of my voice, I pray that gratitude and thanksgiving would well up and spring forth out of their hearts. That you would remind us of the things that you have done and that we would celebrate that, God. Help us to recognize that you are the reason for the season. That we gather because of you. And Lord, we will give you the praise, honor, and glory because you are worthy of it. In the good times and the bad times, we will celebrate you because you are worthy of it. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you are doing, God. But we are excited on what is to come. We celebrate you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray and every believer say amen. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.